You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Put your pencils down, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, diligent scholars of Cowboys Footballology, nay, advanced Cowboys Footballology, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team-taught graduate seminar in advanced football metrics and analysis, taught by none other than the internationally renowned Dr. Danny Phantom and yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser. Dr. Phantom, how are you today? I am doing good, Rabs. I'm pretty excited because tonight I am going to go watch my Oregon State Beavers uh, host host Utah. It's going to be a great game. The Beavers are ranked 19th and Utah is 10th, so it's going to be a Exciting game, I'm hoping for, if the Oregon weather cooperates. Uh, you know, sometimes we get a little bit rained on. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hanging out with my friends and just, uh, I mean, I think I've told you before, I'm not a big live football guy. I, I wouldn't have the same excitement if I was going to see the Cowboys because, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be able to see what I need to see. And, you know, having I'd have anxiety. But with college football, which doesn't matter as much to me, it's more about the ambiance and just, I mean, just being around friends and just you know just actually being around a stadium full of people that are all cheering for the same thing and just you know the the uproar of the crowd and stuff so that that's where the you know the excitement's going to come so i'm looking forward to that but i wanted to ask you because i know you unlike me you know venture out a little more into the live sports uh and uh i want to ask you like what is your favorite thing about being at a live football game Oh, that's a great question. I would say there's two. So one is there's a moment that never gets old. And that's that moment when you've like walked into the stadium and you've made your way up the ramp or the steps or the escalator, or however it is. And you, um, you know, you're there with all, you know, that ring around the stadium and the concessions and you pop through the tunnel and you see the field for the first time. There's mm-hmm. something magical about seeing that field for the first time. Every time it never gets old, regardless of whether it's a baseball field, a football field, what what have you even a basketball court hockey rink whatever it's just cool to see, you see it there and it's like there and it's ringed and framed by the stadium it's just it's 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 magnificent but i think the thing above all else that that's really really uh different uh, is something that you just mentioned which is you you know you said the roar of the crowd or something like that and and there's something that happens especially at a football game that's like you know a, a packed stadium something like you know um AT&T or, you know, into three rivers a few years ago, a place like that where there's a lot of, a lot of fans packed in when a big play happens, there's a roar that 
I, I mean, I, I understand why guys who play play professional sports and professional football in particular have a hard time adjusting to life outside of that because there is something about the roar of the crowd when 100,000 people or 90,000 people are all going crazy at the same time that literally like penetrates you and like mm -hmm. it can it can alter like the your the your cellular structure right i mean it's just it, there's no feeling like it and to have them do that because of something you did i mean i can understand why nothing else ever possibly can compare and so there's there's those moments when you know, a, 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 someone throws a deep pass, and there's this like, oh, ah, and then like it's it's completed. Everyone goes, you know, or like, uh, you know, they, I went to the Patriots Cowboys game in 2021. That great game goes back and forth, and so like, you know, there's that long pass, you know, that uh, where uh, Diggs and I think it was, I don't even remember who his safety was. This it was the, the guy who was a former Falcon. Um, they sort of cross paths. And there was a long, you know, a long, long touchdown. There was then there was the Diggs interception, and then there was like the long pass to CD. All these big plays, and every single one of them was like just like this this roar of the crowd that shakes everything, and, it, and it's incredible. It's just incredible feeling, and um, and uh, that's the thing that makes being there live so incredible no matter how good a surround sound system you have like you know in your you know your man cave or whatever kind of setup you have there's nothing you can do that can replicate that feeling when it's live yeah man i, I wish my job brought forth that same kind of you know celebration or, or enthusiasm like if i ever like solved a problem at work and i just would hear the crowd roar i mean yeah i wish <laughs> somehow we had i mean yeah, that's crazy. But you know, it's a, a you know a live football game. You know, a, a home game in front of the home crowd is always something that is very exciting. And the Cowboys have one of those this week as they're hosting they sure the do. Patriots. Um, so, you know, I know we got to turn the page eventually with with what happened last week. But I mean, so what do we got going on for today's show? Well, we are going to do just that. We're going to turn the page, and um, as always, uh, I'm going to give you a little. Patriots preview uh, with Rabbles Roundup, and we're going to follow that with um, some pointed questions from you um, in Phantoms 5. But before we do, I do think, as you said, we still have a couple of pages left in the in the Cardinals chapter that, as, uh, as sort of horrible and difficult to digest as, as they may be, still I think we need to kind of chew on them a little bit longer. And and uh, just I'd love to hear more from, you know about what, what you are feeling about um how things went last sunday uh, i you know I, I i don't think that i was expecting that you know we both predicted a, a pretty comfortable cowboys oh, yeah. victory and and so um that was really you know that was a good uh it was a good reckoning for for both of us and for most of cowboys nation and for the team itself so here's what i want to do uh i was hoping we could play a little game i'm going to call it is it real or is it memorex okay so i want to talk about and each of us can share things that that happened during the game uh, we can talk a little bit about that, but I think also to sort of say, what is our level of concern about any of these issues? Do we feel like it was specific to this particular game? Is it a one-off or is it something that, that maybe, you know, that the league has learned about the Cowboys or something the first two teams they played were not able to expose that is an actual, like, you know, durable weakness that we need to be concerned about for the rest of the season. That's always the question after a loss, right? right? Is it was it a one-off or is this something that we're going to, we're going to revisit? So let's, let's, let's go down the list of, of the concerns that we have. I think each of us have uh, three concerns prepared for the other one. Let's go down the list and we can talk about what's the level of concern for each. Okay. So uh, the first one I have for you, my friend is this, 
Uh, three offensive linemen were missing. I think there's a, a real key part of this, which it feels to me like the Cowboys thought for most of the week that they were going to get at least two of those three back. And then something happened right around Thursday, Friday-ish, and I think they began to realize that wasn't going to happen and had to pivot. And I think that that's actually a key part of the story. So three, three offensive linemen were missing. Two of the replacements were getting their first NFL start. And the other, Chumadoga, uh, was um, nursing an injury that he suffered the previous week against his former team, the Jets. So how big a, how, you know, what, what do you think about uh, the, those, those three guys? How, how big a, a factor in the loss was it? And what is your concern about that going forward, if any? Yeah, as someone who's typically a little bit more worried about the offensive line than maybe than the average bear, maybe not than you, you you're, but uh, than <laughs> the typical fan, um, I will say that I don't have any issues with, uh, for, for starters, I when you look at who was out there, it could have been a lot messier in my opinion. I, thought, I really think you're asking for trouble uh, with what you had. I didn't think Chuma played... I, I thought that he, he really struggled. I liked him better when he was healthy and playing left guard than watching what we saw on, on the edge. I was surprised with Brock Hoffman. I mean, I I wasn't pleased with what I saw with him in the, in the preseason, and I was like, "What are they? What are they doing?" You know. And but honestly, I thought he was. I thought he was did, did a good job. And and you know, same with T.J. Bass. Nothing really to complain about. But. You know, you definitely see that it had an effect on what the Cowboys could do. But am I concerned about the Cowboys' offensive line? I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I, I hope that we don't have too many more games where we have multiple players out. That would be concerning. And um, but if you, you know, we're I think we're real close to getting the band back together. And I, I mean, I thought Tyler Smith. You know, I saw some reps earlier where it's like, ugh, you know, he. It's almost like it's his first reps of the season or something. And but then I saw some others as they like, started to pick up, and then I'm like. Okay, I can see this really being something good. So my level of concern, very, very small with offensive line. Yeah, I'm not concerned particularly, although I think that, you know, there's, listen, the the, the Cowboy, I'm not particularly concerned about Biotis, let's put it that way. I'm I'm mostly concerned about the fact that they've got two guys who are, you know, been in the league 10 or more years. And, you know, for the guys like that, sometimes these nagging injuries never go away. And so the thing, the thing that worries me is in a position in which continuity is everything in which the starting five have not played together since they drafted Tyler Smith, I'm concerned that um, they may never get the whole band together. Like, or they may never consistently have the time together so that they can really get in sync by the the end of the season when it matters. The band's got to practice. The band's got to practice together. I mean, people were saying earlier, like the difference in, Ty- in Tyron Smith this year is that he's been healthy enough to practice, and now he's not. And uh, Zach Martin might not be. And Or even if they are and they play a couple of games and they're out of game, I mean, that, that kind of like, you know, start and stop, what, two, you know, two steps forward, one step back thing is not how they're going to get into shape for the end of the year. So I think that the good news is, as you, as you suggested, the young guys acquitted themselves well. The bad news is that – or potentially for me anyway, the bad news is that this could be something that we're dealing with in one form or another for the better part of the season, given the age of two of the three guys who were out. Right. And that's that's the thing that I'm a little bit worried about. That's fair. No, I understand. Um, 
you know, I, you know, sticking with the, the offense, you know, something that I'm starting to have a little bit of fear with and, and it's going to be what we're seeing with the play calling. And I, I tell you, you know, I mean, you already know how I feel about Mike McCarthy and I, I just, a lot of it has to do with just how, how things ran dry and on the offense with just his last year and a half in green Bay. It just looked, mm-hmm. it didn't look good. I was like, I was just glad he wasn't our coach, you know, when I watched him play, I felt like it was just too much on Rodgers. But I'm starting to see things from him and that I'm just not – I don't want to be too critical because it's early. You know, we were – and but you look at the things that happened in the first game and you kind of just like – you, you kind of ignored some of the things because, hey, the guys – you know, we are winning and we're, we're, we're beating teams by a lot. And it's it's – he's sticking to what the mantra that he was kind of, you know, pounding – at the table for and, and it's working so when it's working nobody cares but when it's not suddenly you start to look around and you're like ah you know i'm i'm missing those explosive plays i'm seeing the shell out there and and these phil um former eagles assistants being able to shut down this you know play caller offensive guru guy and it's frustrating to me so i don't know i'm i'm a little concerned here with with mccarthy and what he's able to do and what he's trying to do with Prescott. So, well, I don't know. Where are you at with that? Well, I actually think that this is intimately related to what we just talked about, which is the Cowboys offensive line. I feel like, I feel like a couple of things happened to the Cowboys at the end of the week that they weren't really prepared for. And that's on them. That's on the coaching staff. That's on them, which is that I think, you know, we, we, we'll probably talk about this later. I would guess that we will. In fact, I'm I'm almost certainly going to bring it up, which is the what happened to the team psychologically when they lost Trevon Diggs. But I think a similar thing happened on the offensive side where they were like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we'll get these guys. And they were practicing as if those guys were going to play or at least if some of them were going to play. And I think they were game planning as if some of those guys were going to play. And I think that then suddenly when they weren't and they had to take those plays out of the game plan. And I think those plays tended to be probably more long developing pass plays in which um, they felt like a better offensive line could protect longer and they had a chance to throw more medium and long passes. They still threw, threw some long passes. And when they had a chance, they threw several long passes down the sidelines and things like that. But they, they're not throwing is those long developing deep crossers, right? So if you think about what's a short developing long, long pass play, it's a, it's like a, a nine route, right? Or a sideline route. The long one is, is when you make a move and you go over the middle, it takes, takes longer to, to get open, but it can also be more, you know, uh, more damaging. They're not running any of those because I don't think that they think they have the offensive line to hold up. And I think the same thing happened against the Jets. I feel like they didn't, didn't have confidence that that offensive line, which was missing, you know, a starter, uh, excuse me, two starters, I guess, um, against the Jets could hold up. And I think that they felt like uh, that they would rather just try to win with their defense. And I, I feel like they thought that what they did against the Jets, they could do against the Cardinals and make it maybe yeah. even do, do it more easily. Like, so, I mean, listen, this is a team whose defense was absolutely demolishing people for two weeks. I can't fault the offensive plan for looking in, and saying, we've got three offensive linemen out. The best chance we have to win this game is to be careful, to move the ball with short with short passes and through execution and get down to the red zone and do the best we can. We're, you know, we probably only have to score 17 to win. Yeah. Right. 
And then the defense didn't hold up their end of the bargain. So I'm not saying the offense is blameless. I'm saying, you know, we, we've talked about they're doing a better job playing complimentary football this year. I think that that's true. But in some ways right now, that complimentary football with three offensive linemen out means protecting the ball, not putting the defense in any bad situations where you're turning over on your side of the 50 and, and, and living to play another day. And then the, the defense let them down by getting, getting in a hole early. And, and it was the worst possible situation. But listen, we've talked about this before. What is the number? If you're a coaching staff, what's the number one goal in any given year? Get your guys to the playoffs and get your quarterback to the playoffs healthy. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's job one. If you if you play great and your quarterback goes down for the season in, in season 12, you have failed as an organization and you have failed as a coaching staff. So it's much more important to protect Dak Prescott and not expose him with three, you know, young or, or, or mediocre offensive linemen than it is to win the game. Yeah. Right. And, 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 or, or you, you, that's the equation. That's a trade-off you have to be willing to make if, if that's your goal and they're willing to make it. And so they're not, I, I, I so, so I guess my larger point is until, until we deal with the thing that I brought up, I don't know that we can actually get a clear picture of the thing that you brought up because we need an offensive line that's fully functioning before we can, before we can know uh, what they actually have in the playbook. Okay. I, I think there's a whole bunch of things they're taking out of the playbook that simply um, that, 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 that exist and that, and that they want to do, but they simply can't right now because of who's not in the, in the huddle. All right. I'll give, I'll give McCarthy a few more games, I guess. So I, so I think, I think we need to see like, okay, like if this, if this offensive um, sort of dink and dunk and not being particularly um, not, you know, not being particularly, uh, you know, risky uh, continues. If the offensive lineman, if offensive line is there and they're holding up, then I think then, then we need to have a conversation about that. But I think that we have to reserve judgment until then. But, you know, t- the other piece of this is, the quarterback, Dak Prescott. What are your feelings about Prescott's performance? And, you know, I mean, obviously we have to factor in his red zone interception, his performance in the red zone in general, but what are your thoughts about the way that Prescott performed you know, against the card? I don't know. To me, I, I just, I think that with Dak, there there are times where he just doesn't play at a, a great level, and I think this is one of them. And I, I don't want to be too critical of him because there's so many things that went wrong in that game. I just also there's times where I just expect a little more from him, and I'm seeing I, I I've seen more of it in the more recent history that than I did when I, I felt like he was actually playing at a high level. So I'm not I'm not too worried. But you know what? I tell you what, if things don't start, if McCarthy's not the answer, because the Cowboys are constantly getting rid of Dez, getting rid of Amari, getting you know doing all these different things, trying to work this this you know. Um, Work this defense to uh, cater this defense to, to the Dak Prescott. And if things are never working, eventually you got to ask yourself, is Dak part of the problem? So right now, still not too worried about it. It's 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 low there, but if 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 we don't start to see some results, then I don't know. To me, it's either McCarthy was not the answer. You need to get this guy out of here, or or maybe Dak's not the answer. I mean, so eventually that somebody's got to be held accountable for this Cowboys spinning their wheels and not being able to get past you know, in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that a, a, you know, a week three game when a team is still finding its identity, even a team is, you know, who, who seems as strong as the Cowboys seemed in weeks one and two. Um, 
you know, and we we just can't be thinking about the fact that they're spinning their wheels in the NFC Championship game now because that's so far away, and there's so many things that have to happen before they get there. Um, I, I will say one thing though that I am, you know, you're you're talking about okay, Dak has been this way in the past, and Dak looked this way again yesterday. I think it's a fair it's a fair assessment and argument, and but I think that also when he looks that way, it tends to be because his receivers are not getting open. Like when Dak is struggling, it's when he has to throw. Uh, into tight windows a lot because his guys are not getting separation. Right. And so I think that one of the other pieces that we have to talk about is um, his receivers and his tight ends not performing particularly well, but also I think we can, we can single this one guy out, not because he had a particularly bad game, but because he hasn't shown us yet that he's going to be the solution to this particular problem that so many of us thought he might be. And that's Brandon cooks. Yeah. And I think Brandon Cooks was supposed to be the speed that would open things up vertically. He was supposed to be like the guy who could get open immediately short and, and, you know, and so Dak could hit the easy button and, and, you know, he could get yak and, you know, we've seen a couple plays from him, but he hasn't done much. And so my question to you is, is he cooks or is he cooked? That's a great question. And I know we got to move on, but I want we just go briefly. I just want to say Brandon Cooks is just, I mean, He's like other players that you get to this point and people will maybe overinvest. Not not really the case, Cowboys. You know, they didn't spend a lot to get him, but people have these high expectations of, say, these free agents. For all intents and purposes, he, that's what he was, the free agents. I mean, we know the trade was more about the, the, the money. Um, but, you know, and then they disappoint. So is Brandon Cooks going to be any different than that? Is he breaking the trend? I don't know. We have to, we have to tell, remind ourselves that it's very possible that you know, Cooks does not deliver the results we are expecting. So I don't know. And another one of those is is also Stefan Gilmore. And, you know, Gilmore was brought in to be the number two. Now he's not the number two. Suddenly, you know, the Cowboys lost Trayvon Dix for the for the season. I gotta ask you, I look at this I look at this cornerback group and I see kind of like a trickle down effect that where Gilmore's your number one now and suddenly that's not ideal. Duran Bland, great slot corner, number two, kind of just mediocre there. And then Jordan Lewis, and I mean, so the, how, are you worried about the, the digs effect, perhaps? I am. I think that a couple of things. I think, I think people, since he got injured, we're hearing a little bit more like he was the heart and soul of the defense. I mean, I think that everyone would say, oh, Micah Parsons is the heart and soul of the defense. But I think there's something about the, the attitude of the defense or something that, that Trevon Diggs was really a key, a key piece of that. And I think that, that, that those guys, when he got injured and got injured for the year, I think that they just lost it. That team got distracted and they weren't ready to play. They didn't want to play. Uh, I, I think that they didn't take the Cardinals seriously and that was a problem. But I also think that they just like their heart got pulled out and they didn't have a heart for a week. And so, so it's going to be an open question whether they get it back. But listen, if if they can continue to get the kind of pass rush, the devastating pass rush that they got in the first two weeks against the New York teams, they're going to be fine regardless of who's a cornerback. Yeah, but if they don't, if they don't, then we are really going to miss Diggs uh, on you know like his Sunday presence. I think they're I think we're certainly going to miss his Monday through Saturday presence. Right, but that they're really going to miss his Sunday presence if that pass rush is more like the kind of ineffectual mush rush that we saw against well, the Cardinals. I will say this, if you know what, and, and this will finish things off here. You know, if you want, you got to earn your pass rush and the Cowboys didn't because they could not defend the run. 
and of course the, the run was a disaster and when i look at things and i see the some of the overaggression that the that they, they were falling victim to last year and then they got the smaller linebacker hybrid guys and dbs and th that are taking on these second level blocks getting basically washed out by these bigger blockers linemen and big tight ends and i'm just seeing all these creases and i don't know it, it's concerning to me it's like i feel like the cowboys there, there's an issue there there's an issue and it's happened before and the cowboys have not been able to there's no excuse for 222 you know rushing yards on arizona so i i don't know i raps am i a little bit worried here is this real or is this memorex what what Get, cut this thing off with this Arizona game. Put it to rest. Just tell me, tell me how, how worried we should be about the Cowboys' run defense. I think we should be worried. It's Memorex because it's it's the same thing again and again. And and it, so if you look at the run plays, there's sort of two kinds. Like when they when they went with sort of standard power runs, they didn't get anything, right? The Cowboys. I mean, I don't, I, I, saw, I saw the stats and I don't have them at hand, but. Cardinals averaged something like two yards a carry on standard power runs. It was those. It was a sort of like. RPOs, deception counters, things like that, where they would pin and pull, like those kind of movement runs. The Cowboys really struggle with those. They struggle with those before, and they struggle with these now. And one of the reasons they do is because they create lanes by pass rushing at different levels, right? So the, the, the thing that we just talked about that made them so dynamic in weeks one and two, which is they got out to a big lead and they let, the, they let that pass rush run like wild dogs. That's the thing that it, it the, the Cowboys pass rush is the single most effective and terrifying unit in the NFL, right? They're the most terrifying. They're more terrifying than the Miami passing game. They're more terrifying than anything. They have the potential to be more dominant than any other unit in the NFL. So what teams are doing now is taking advantage of that. Yeah. And, and one of the ways you do that is by, you know, um, taking the natural holes that that pass rush creates and exploiting them and that's what the teams are doing and look what happened as a result they began and as a result of the josh, the josh dobbs run in that first series they began to mush rush they stopped running or you know sort of stopped running with their hair on fire during the pass rush and they weren't i mean they got to him a couple times but they didn't get many pressures they weren't particularly effective and they weren't like creating turnovers and creating the kind of havoc that they had the first couple of games because they were terrified of having more of those kind of natural lanes um, taken advantage of. So I think that this is something we need to be really worried about until they can learn or discover some sort of way to pass rush without opening up those natural lanes. Yeah. They have to pass rush together, I think, in a more synchronous way. And that, that's a really hard thing to do when you're just like, you know, trying to beat a double team right. and, you know, trying to get in there with your hair on fire. So I think that I think this is something we need to be worried about. Um, going forward. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I, I know I will be. And but Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I know speaking of going forward, we got to do it. And thus we got to move forward to New England. So 100%. So Rabs, I want to, I want these cliff notes on this New England Patriots football team. So uh, what do you think? You got, we got time for a little rabble roundup here? A little time. 
It's time for Rabble's Roundup. Okay, so I'm not going to go into too much detail because, you know, we know a lot about the Patriots and Bill Belichick. He's been there forever. He's the GOAT. Um, I think there's a couple things we know, right? His defensive philosophy is essentially take away the biggest weapon. In fact, I think it's very instructive to see what he decides to take away. It tells you a lot about your offense and the offenses around the league. And one of the other things he likes to do on defense is he likes to double your best wide receiver and put his best cornerback on your second receiver to kind of eliminate him. So what he's trying to do is to get you to have to make plays with your third and fourth options to beat the, the Patriots defense. One of the other things I think that's happening this year, and this this is, speaks to a, a lot to what you were saying in terms of you know the Cowboys having safeties playing linebacker, et cetera, is in response to the kind of positionless offenses where guys can play, especially skill position guys can play multiple roles, he seems to be transitioning, of course, because he's on the cutting edge always, to a positionless defense in, in which the scheme itself is based on taking advantage of his defensive players' versatility. We never know who the, uh, the Patriots' players are, mm-hmm. but they're always guys who have a set of traits that, that, that Belichick thinks can exploit whatever's happening you know, in the, in the current offensive trends across the league. So, for example, um, Jonathan Jones, the corner, can play outside, can play slot corner, can play safety. So can Jalen Mills. Kyle Duggar can play safety or come into the box as a linebacker. Same with Jabril, Jabril Peppers and Adrian Phillips. Um, there's a third-round pick they got. It was a guy the Cowboys like, Marte Mapu. who's the inverse, right? He's a linebacker who can also play safety. So this allows them to play the run as well as to cover tight ends. Sound familiar, right? This is this is this is the sort of hybrid kind of player that the Cowboys have been targeting a lot lately. Um, so I think I think and, and he's got two really really uh, in Josh Uche and uh, Matthew Judon two really really great edge rushers. So what he wants to try to do is confuse you, uh, you know, get play matchups against no matter with the same guys, no matter who you put out there, no matter what sort of formations or schemes you put out there, and then rush like heck with the, the two guys who are really strong pass rushers. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, though, I think that's really where where I mean, in, in, none of this is particularly new for Belichick. On the other side of the ball, though, there's some more unconventional stuff that's been happening lately. Obviously, last year he had Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who had been a special teams guy. And Matt Patricia, of course, is a defensive guy. He had those guys run the offense, and it was a disaster. Um, Vance Joseph last year was talking about how New England's offense was, well, how a defensive guy would call offensive plays. And that was spot on. That's exactly what, that's exactly what uh, was happening. So um, to rectify that in the offseason, Bill uh, Belichick hired, hired his old friend and former sort of like, at least in name, uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, Bill O'Brien, uh, to come to come back to to try to, uh, you know, it re- reinvigorate the uh, post-Brady uh, Patriots offense. So um, Bill O'Brien, very familiar name, spent five seasons under Belichick from 07 to 2011, started as an offensive assistant. He was a receivers coach, quarterback coach, and finally the OC, even if he wasn't in name, he was the OC for, for all intents and purposes. Um, he was the primary play, play caller after Josh McDaniels left for the first time following the 2008 season. Remember that, that great Patriots two tight end offense with Gronk and with Hernandez? That was, that was O'Brien's scheme. And he's and he we're gonna he's carried some of that with him yeah. to his Patriots offense, right? So then he was at Penn State for a couple of years, he was at the Texans for a couple of years, and then he was at Alabama for a while. Um, Pro Football Focus recently ranked him as the third best offensive coordinator, trailing only Ben Johnson of the, of the Detroit Lions and Kellen Moore. Remember, remember that name of the Los Angeles Chargers? So, 
what makes him so effective? Here's some things I think that that he brings that I think that um, he had, uh, you know, he brought to Alabama, and he also like, you know, as he was he was transitioning to Alabama. I'll talk about this in a second. He overlapped with Mac Jones just a little bit, and I think that there's a there's a sort of interesting point of contact there. So some of the things he brings historically, he's really good at sequencing plays his play calling experience shows up in the way he sequences plays he shows you something early establishes it as a, as a sort of norm and then counters it later in the game he um tends to get away from attacking attacking the deep part of the field uh instead likes to re- return to winning in the middle of the field where it's easier throws for his quarterback he likes to use tempo um you know, when the when he took over in 2009 with the Patriots, they began using more word one word play calls. I remember actually writing about this for blogging the boys at the time. They they were they were using this sort of like um, you know offensive system where they could like do a one word play call and that that would give a tremendous amount of information to a bunch of guys like on one side, all, all the receivers on one side. They they'd know exactly what to do, and so you could beat teams by by using tempo like that. He loves to put the quarterback in empty formations. Um, and he's really good at, at exposing the rules that defenses use to combat bunch formations. So he'll figure out how you guys usually combat bunch formations, then he'll figure out a way to beat that so that he schemes guys wide open. So that helps him create easy wins for his receivers by exposing matchups, by attacking leverage, and by putting middle-of-the-field zone players in conflict. Right. So uh, we talked about how he loves to use the middle of the field. It's because he'll try to with RPOs and other things and in in terms of formations and and the way he uh, deploys personnel, he'll put those guys in no win situations. So the quarterback just has to watch that one guy. Whichever way he goes, you go the opposite way. So um, he's a very quarterback friendly uh, offensive coordinator, which is really good because Mac Jones was terrible last year. He needs a he needed a, a, a quarterback friendly offensive coordinator. So as I was suggesting earlier, when O'Brien came to Tuscaloosa to uh, replace Steve Sarkeesian, uh, when Sarkeesian went to Texas, Nick Saban, who loves Sarkeesian's offense, brought O'Brien in and said, I want you to learn how to run this offense, or at least the, you know, run elements of it. And the guy who had thrived under Sarkeesian, who uh, remained on campus to help teach Sarkeesian's offense to Bill O'Brien, none other than our friend Mac Jones. So they're familiar with each other from those tutoring sessions that happened during that overlap period. Um, and so I think that they were able to develop a little bit of a shorthand. And now O'Brien has a chance to come back and repay the favor and sort of go to go to Jones and say, hey, what are some of the elements of that offense you like? Let's make sure we put those in. So, so far, the, the, uh, the Patriots offense has improved a little bit. There's been some there's been some, you know, they were they were only scoring a few points against the stingy Jets defense. Um, they actually scored more points last year under Matt Patricia. So it's, 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 you know, we can't really go by points, but um, it looks like they're better at handling blitz blitzes and defensive line movements so far. Um, their success rate in terms of allowing free runners to the line of scrimmage is much better than it was. Uh, they've improved on third down. They've improved on the red zone, which are both, you know, can, I think areas that can be attributed to good offensive coordination. Hello. Uh, Cowboys red zone troubles, Mike McCarthy. And, um, and they're converting in those situations at a high rate. So the Cowboys have to be very careful because if they get in a, a red zone war, they're probably going to lose. Uh, right now, if, if the last couple games are any indication, Bill O'Brien is quite a bit ahead of Mike McCarthy in terms of you know where his red, excuse me, where his red zone offense is sitting. Um, I, I think though the last thing I want to talk about is just their roster. 
you know, the 2017 to 2019 are the drafts where guys would now be like in their fifth to eighth year. Those are the drafts. You, 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 the core of your team should be guys who are in years five to eight. And the 2017 through 19 drafts were not good for the Patriots. They didn't find any long-term players other than Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle for a bit, but there's not much to show for those years. So they're pretty thin at, at that core, but they've also had some really good drafts in 2021 and 22. There's a bunch of guys who've come in. Some of them I've already me mentioned, right? We got Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche, Michael uh, Onwenu, who's an offensive lineman, Mac Jones, Ramonde Stevenson is probably their best player. Christian Barmore is a, who's a, a defensive tackle who's really emerging. Mark Marcus Jones, a corner who's not I'm not going to be able to play against the Cowboys, but there's a bunch of bunch of guys. None of them are like you know, uh, you know, a clear you know like all pro right, caliber right. guys. But there's a lot of really good solid players. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got a great center, David Andrews. Uh, they made it. They made a, a acquisition off season of Juju Smith Schuster. Um, and I said before, I, I think really one of the things they really have to watch out. The Cowboys really have to watch out for is their edge duo of Matthew Judon and, and Josh Uche. Mm -hmm. Those guys are those guys are, are are pretty good. Jonathan Jones is a very versatile corner, and I said as I said a minute ago, Christian Barmore is a is a really good defensive tackle. This is a, this is a, a, a an important game for them to get at least two of those three offensive linemen who were out last right. week back. Because they're so they can do some damage. They're they're much much more talented on the defensive line, at least in terms of their starters, than the Cardinals were. So I expect this to be a I expect this to be a you know a tight, uh, low scoring game. Um, I think that you know Belichick is 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 going to be able to uh, he's going to scheme anyway to eliminate either Tony Pollard or. C.D. Lamb. My guess would be C.D. Lamb. He's probably going to put Christian Gonzalez, who's their first-round pick, who's an emerging corner, very skilled athletically, very talented guy, probably on either Gallup or Cooks. It'll be interesting to see which one. And then he's going to uh, force Dak Prescott and the rest of the offense to beat him with whatever's left over. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to do that, they're going to have to stop those those edge guys because those edge guys can can do some damage in a hurry. And that, my friends, is Rabble's Roundup. All right. Now that you set the table for me, um, I, I, have, I just have a few questions, some, some observations that I have for this game and things I'll be looking for. And so just want to throw some things at you and just uh, ask you a couple questions here. So... It's time for the Phantom Five. Um, I want to start off with my first item here is an obvious one. We got homecoming for, for Zeke. You know, I, I did look back and, he, you know, he, he had a good game last week. He rushed for 80 yards last week. Mm -hmm. I went mm -hmm. back and looked through and, and you know what? He's, he's only rushed for 80 yards three times in the last 27 games in Dallas. So, mm. so I don't know. I don't know. We got like a little resurgence going on with the with Zeke. I don't know. But my first question for you, I want to ask you, you know, what do you expect from Zeke, you know, this week? And, and how do you think the Patriots will attack the Cowboys run defense? I mean, I think they're going to try to attack, attack them in the way that uh, the Cardinals did and the way that, you know, the Rams have, and those other teams use a lot of motion and counters and things like that have done in the past. Um, but I don't think they have the the speed and the horses necessarily to do it. I think, I think that Zeke is not the kind of runner who can t 
take advantage of that. He just doesn't have the explosion. I mean, we saw him try to get to the edge last year, and he couldn't. I don't think that – I think Zeke is exactly the kind of running back that the Cowboys match up really, really well against. And I, I think Ramondre Stevenson is a, is a load to bring down. But the kind of power runs that he specializes in that, that I, I think are his bread and butter, um, I think are the kind of power runs that the Cowboys have spent the offseason learning how to defend and have defended this year really well the things they haven't done are those counters and then you know quarterback runs usually excuse me yeah quarterback runs usually on plays that are that are called pass plays but also you know on rpos um and i don't think that mac jones is gonna is gonna hurt them with his feet no yeah so i i actually think the cowboys run defense is gonna be fine against the patriots even though this is kind of a a big game for for zeke you know returning to dallas i'm more concerned about Ramondre stevenson than than Elliot for sure, but you you should but, be you should be. I I think he's the Patriots' best player. Yeah, from one revenge game, you know, candidate to another. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, Brandon Cooks already. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so Diggs is out for the year. But you know, as you mentioned, the Patriots have their own injuries in the secondary. You know, Marcus Jones, uh, he's on IR with the shoulder. Jonathan mm-hmm. Jones limited in practice with an ankle. Not sure what his availability is going to be. Uh, so the Pats D, you know, they're a little banged up. And it, as you also mentioned have rookie uh christian gonzalez who's been fantastic this season i'm not sure i thought maybe he might be covering cd coming into this uh this lecture but and now you know i now that you explained it it could be you know going in different directions but i i do feel like there there should be some opportunities for Dak to attack the, the patriots secondary so is this a game that maybe um brandon cooks could have a his breakout game in dallas or can you see possibly prescott looking a little better this week I hope so. It's it's time. Like uh, like, uh, I don't know how many more weeks they can continue to do this. And frankly, I don't know how many more weeks they can continue to get Pollard that kind of load right. because because the thing is, if they're not going deep, if they're not if they're not generating explosives, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, then that means that they're driving down and executing 10, 12, 14 play drives, right. and they've been doing. It. I mean, like against the, both the Jets and the Cardinals, even even with all the penalties against the Cardinals, they did a magnificent job between the tens. You know, executing and, and and getting getting you know converting third downs, and you know Pollard had a terrific game last last week running the ball, but they cannot continue to give them that number of carries. So they're going to have to find a different way to uh, to move the ball downfield. And and so if if it's not that way, then I honestly don't know, dude, because I don't think Pollard could, they can't give him thirty carries right. again. Yeah, they just can't. No. So that we're we're either seeing a different running back or we're seeing more short pass. I don't know. I I think they've they've got to. They they listen. They have to recognize that they've got to find some way to to start to stretch the field vertically, or teams are just going to tighten down on them, and it's going to be the same old thing that we've seen in recent years. Ever since they traded Amari, it's going to be a short shell. Nobody's open. Dak's throwing into tight windows. There's way more interceptions than there should be. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mem- Memorex, Memorex, <laughs> Memorex. So, you know what? Uh, switching over, other side of the ball. I got. I was looking through some some stats with the Patriots offense, and I want to check this out, Raz. Okay, so um, Patriots spread the ball around. They only have one mm-hmm. receiver that has 20-plus targets, and that's Kendrick Bourne. Uh, their longest play from their receiving trio of Bourne, Devontae Parker, and Juju is just 19 yards. So, I mean, I think that's a weird thing considering Matt um, uh, uh, Mac Jones is actually third in the lead in passing attempts, which kind of surprised me. Uh, but, you know, with New England, it's not about the big play. It's about the slow grind. 
And they do have mm-hmm. a good tight end trio of Hunter Henry, uh, Mike Gesicki, and and Farrell Brown. Who was like, who's that guy? You know, but he was he was somebody yep. last week. Uh, sure was. So you know, and seeing the Cowboys struggle a little bit with some of their the play, their safeties. I want to ask you what your confidence level with the Cowboys DB is making these plays against the Patriots offense and, and, and getting off the field. I think I think the Cowboys defense was was publicly shamed in front of a national audience last week, and they're going to come back and play much better. I mean, so the, so it's one thing it's one thing to have given up those plays, right? So they gave up those plays, but the, I think the, it's another thing to, for them to have not played with the fire and the violence that they played with the first couple of weeks, right? They were they were incredible. They they dominated their opponents physically and they just played faster and more violently. They looked slow, mm-hmm. they looked passive, etc. I think they're they're at least they may lose, they may get they may give up lots of big plays. I think at the very least they're not going to play as slowly or as passively as they did last week, and I think that that'll be, um, I think I think that'll be a, a major difference. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately, if they play that way, they're going to be a tough team to. They're going to be a tough team to deal. I tell with. you what, I would be surprised if we saw a similar performance by the Cowboys defense. So, and you already talked about this already, um, and I and I had this already in my notes. Like, I think this game is going to be a, de- a defensive battle. You know, New England has a great defense. We know about Matt Judon. You mentioned um, the other guy, Uche, is that from the? Uh, yeah, yeah, Uche. Yeah, they, have, they have a defense filled with good players in all areas. You know, and Dallas has a great defense. We know what they have there with Micah, Tank, Osa, and crew. And, you know, I mean, this this game has um, has the making of a defensive, defensive battle, low-scoring type of game. So no, no question for you on that one. We agree. Final question for you. My last point here is... So the Cowboys won the last contest back in 2021, but it's, it was all New England prior to that. They won all six of the previous games they, they faced off. Um, but that doesn't mean that we haven't had a little bit of some, some thrillers in those games. Uh, we had the CD walk-off last time. You know, we had that weather game back in 2019, you probably remember, which was mm-hmm. kind of hard to watch with hardly no offense. But the uh, Cowboys were still in it in the end with, with, with the playoffs on the line and but they ultimately lost 13 to nine. And then we had that last second Brady to Aaron Hernandez back in 2011. I don't know, Rabs. I just have one, have a feeling this is going to be one of those games that people are going to talk about that has one of those crazy finishes. So last question for you, how do you see this one going down? And I want you to give me a final score prediction. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. Although I think the, I think the Cowboys are not going to go out and give up 20, you know, 28 points again. Uh, I think that, that it, they're going to be much tougher on defense. So I think let's say let's say it's going to be, but I think that they're also going to have trouble scoring. Um, I don't. I think that their their offense may still need a couple more weeks to really find its footing if it's going to find it at all. Um, so let's say Cowboys nineteen to seventeen. Oh my goodness! It's just insane how crazy that we are with our predictions. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you, mine's a little bit different because in mine, it's going into the fifth quarter. And I think Brandon Ooh. Aubrey is going to be the hero in this one. As it's going to be 16, 16 to 16. At the end of regulation, Brandon Aubrey is going to kick the game winner. And I got a 19 to 16 final score. So very close. And I'll tell you what, Raps. I'll just take the dub. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this New England team. I just want to 
get out of Dallas with with a win, and and then um, maybe with a little bit of momentum, and we can feel better about the the game the following week against the San Francisco 49ers, the game that everybody was excited about. Uh, but that is all we have for today's show. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever have anything you want to talk to us about, you know, any Cowboys hot topics, some matchups you're looking at, or, you know, what is your favorite thing about a live football game? Let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check it out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay true to the silver blue. And we will catch you later. Hey, why didn't you list my Twitter handle? Oh, that's right. I'm not on Twitter. Enjoy the game, everybody. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.